and welcome back to a very special episode of Inchak with Fintech, or shall we say Inchak with Diversity in Fintech? Today we have the absolute honor to host three powerful women from the Fintech space. Lydia Koenig, CPO at Solaris Bank, Alex Gassner, COO at ACI Diversity Consulting, and Leila Kasim, SVP of Operations at Lemon Market. This is the final episode of our three-part series with them, where we talk about diversity and inclusion in fintechs, strategic planning for attracting and retaining a diverse workforce, different leadership styles, and much more. In the second episode of the series, we left off with Leila talking about the ways in which companies could develop and retain a diverse workforce. She specifically focused on the importance of promoting the workforce equally and fairly, having a strong succession planning process and being more accepting of the various traits that come with different people. This is where we pick up again on the conversation in this episode. Enjoy listening. Yeah, so the other element that I would also add to that is not being shy of part-timers. The the thing that uh, often happens that the people who are part-time are people who have outside responsibilities not always to do with caregiving, but often to do with caregiving, whether that's of young children um, or children of any age, indeed, uh, older parents, anyone who needs some some care responsibility. So people often shy away from part-time because they feel that uh, less of the job will be done, mm-hmm. which is also not true. And, and again, that leads back to systemic issues around equal and equitable pay and the the fact that you prolong basically women being paid less and the the gender pay gap so not being shy of part-time being able to really provide a workspace that people who can be part-time can thrive and indeed i think that this hasn't been explored enough i've only heard of a few um examples but job sharing Mm. so having two part-time individuals doing one job um, there are a few companies up, out there I've heard of that have managed to make that work and make it work very successfully. And what you do is you also create a, a wonderful environment where people aren't afraid of being part-time as something that is stigmatized and something that is less than. Um, so you also create spaces for people who who need that flexibility built in. So if, you're, if you can't give the flexibility to somebody who is full-time and might need uh, a little bit more flex built into the job, you can, or at least it would be amazing to offer these kinds of positions to part-time workers as well, and potentially even look at job sharing. I think it probably a common objection what people have is then have to train two people. But <laughs> I guess the opposite of that is that you get a diverse workforce um, that is flexible um, and that will help you create kind of the results that we see from having a diverse workforce in place. Exactly. Yeah. So another another aspect of also a good working company culture is, is also to understand that your workforce is diverse as we've um, established. And indeed that means that holidays might not also fall in Christmas or Easter. Um, you might have Muslims working for you. You might have Sikhs working for you. You might have Jains working for you, Hindus, the list goes on, um, whose holidays would not fall into those strict bounds. And um, I think oftentimes people feel compelled to take the time off at, at that time because it feels like everybody else is. But creating the space to to be very clear with your Muslim colleagues to say, I know it's 
Eid al-Fitr today or this week after, which is this little Eid as it's called in in uh, Islam after Ramadan. I'm going to give you and um, make sure that that time is one week off because it's a special time in, in your religious calendar and make sure that you also have time off for the Big Eid. Um, Diwali, the list goes on. Making sure that you really have earmarked those times mm-hmm. for people to, to be off and not feel compelled that they have to be in in times of, of their religious ceremonies and rituals. And do you have to report on all um, holidays or stand still for all holidays? I think if you report, report, report and have the data, you know which ones are important to your workforce. Yes, absolutely. You can also just give them flexible days. You can just say, you know, this, yes, uh, it's a bureaucratic nightmare probably, but it's a one-off thing. So Mm. maybe they are working parents, so they don't have that flexibility of on top of taking off school holidays, also taking other important religious or cultural traditional big days for them so make it easy it's really easy we have easter we have whatever this thing coming up is called in english i have no idea who knows which one pinkston oh yeah no we don't have a word for that don't have a wow cool we have a holiday that it's not even a word <laughs> for and um, a christmas all this kind of stuff it's not just about making sure your winter greetings or seasonal greetings are inclusive. If you really live it, then yes, you don't have a Christmas party, you have a winter end of year party or whatever, but you also give that flexibility in terms of in terms of flexible holidays. And then you don't have to be the one that says these are the ones that are allowed, but rather leave it to people. Yeah. Mm. But I do think that's, I know that you're, you're being slightly flippant, that it's a small thing to do, but I do think that's really wonderful. And I picked that yes. up working in the States that you always say happy holidays yes. or season's greetings. And um, bringing that back to Europe has been really wonderful because then you're much more embracing of often your Jewish colleagues who are yeah. uh, celebrating Rosh Hashanah that, at the same time. So it, I think that's actually, speaking of the quick wins and, and the low hanging fruit, that's a very easy one that doesn't take much. Just wishing everybody yep. happy holidays. I have to say, you know a lot about religious holidays. I do. I do. <laughs> I've been all over. <laughs> so let's take a step back and look at the bigger topic of, of um, diversity again. We spoke about it. We touched on it. I think, Leila, you spoke about the smaller companies or the VCs who say, yeah, no, I'm too busy. Or uh, maybe it was Alex. Maybe I'm mixing up again. Uh, any of you was talking about mm-hmm. at least diversity is something that small organizations say, I'm mean, just focused on making a profit. I want to make sure that we run well. Um before, I'm going to be very honest, before we started the session, as much as I want to say diversity for such a small company as PCN is, is high on the agenda, super important. That has changed throughout the um, this session, uh, first and foremost. But secondly, also because I was of the opinion of, I'm running a business, I'm trying to run a business. That's most important for me right now. I feel diversity is a luxury, if you will, for the bigger organizations because they have a bigger pool pool to take people from. They have an employer brand that people know. They attract already uh, a certain type of talent. Um, exactly. A very certain type of talent. Yeah. Well, <laughs> May I offer a different perspective? Please. Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> kind of the question I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you for sharing that, by the way. Yeah, that was um, really, thanks is, for being so honest yeah, about that. I think you have nailed what a lot of people that run these companies feel like when they come from a position of privilege. So you won't find a black woman that says, you know, diversity is is a luxury topic. Uh, She also might not be talking about diversity a lot. She'll just be embedding it and living. It'll just be a thing that they do. But unfortunately, a lot of our companies (laughs) are still run by people that 
think this is like a, it's an optional thing. Mm. It's a feel good thing. There's We have these internal networks and they kind of nag us about it. So let's do a little thing. But like I said, budget gets cut very quickly, right? It's not a priority, not a real priority. Um, and that's quite dangerous because we already today have a shortage of skilled workers. By 2030, that number globally will be short 82.5 million qualified workers worldwide. In Germany, that'll be 7 million. I'm always going to Germany because we're sitting in Berlin right now recording this in a lovely little studio. Um, 7 million people. And we're feeling that pain in a lot of industries today already. We don't need to wait by the time it's 2030. At the same time, men of middle age living in Germany already have a kind of achieved 90% of their working potential. So this gap, the 7 million, is not going to be, I don't know, men that spring up out of nowhere, like, I'm this new guy, I'm going to be taking the job, right? The people who are going to be closing this gap are women, especially women working part-time, migrants, and older generations. And they're going to have a choice of where they want to work because they're going to be in high demand. And they're not going to be working at a company that isn't inclusive. They're not going to stay somewhere where they're treated as just someone that, you know, is here to do some basic work, but other people get promoted all the time or other people get appreciated for their work or are given opportunity. They want to, surprisingly, be seen as a just, just as good worker as everyone else. And that's going to be companies that start realizing this pain we feel like in Germany, well, when I say we feel, in my business, the analysis, the analysis we do is probably 2025, 2026 is when it's really, really going to hurt to the point where, where companies are forced to start moving. Mm -hmm. Anyone who starts before that has a head start. You have that time to pilot out things, to find out what's working and what's not working. And you have a huge benefit right there because everyone else is a little bit behind the curve. Now make that 2030, you have seven years of actual diversity practices of bringing up that innovation. So it's not just about um, the shortage of skilled workers. It's also that we know this from the McKinsey study. I'm not even going to quote it because everyone in diversity knows it. But diverse teams uh, bring in more business. They bring in more revenue. They drive more innovation. So that's another bonus on top of actually being able to stay in business. Because there's going to be a lot of demand and you're not going to have the people to work with it. So those people can choose where they work. They're going to work somewhere that doesn't just say they're super diverse, <laughs> but that actually is. So we will see this in year one and year two attrition. And today, a lot of people that have identified the shortage of skilled workers, they throw a lot of money at recruitment. Let's just fill a scale. Let's just get people in. But the sweetness is not in getting people in. <laughs> it's in keeping them mm. and developing them because otherwise that's a lot of sunk cost. It's very expensive to hire people and to lose them after one year or two years, even three years. And so it's a luxury to think that diversity isn't a topic for any any size business and it doesn't have to cost you money it's not like you know you don't have to do this big diversity conference you don't have to organize ted talks you don't have to put a lot of money into it if you just do it well and companies that start realizing that sooner than others are gonna have a much much higher chance of surviving yeah, and I don't think you need that many people either. I'm just <clears throat> thinking of this whilst you're talking. We have obviously Jackie that you spoke about a few times. I say she's spearheading that within PCM because he gets the support from her manager, mm -hmm. Morton, as much. And I think that creates that kind of movement and change. I feel mm -hmm. that the retain and develop part should already be there for anyone across the company. 
So that should be very easy to implement. If you're any ambitious company, then you offer some sort of training L&D. Um, so that should, should already be there. Um, it does start with attract. Though. If you don't have the people now, if you don't have a diverse for, yep. workforce now, then you need to start attracting. Um, it's clearly not a hype. <clears throat> but do we always need this? Do we always need to talk about diversity, do you think? Or will, do you think that this will pass? Do you think at a certain moment we'll reach that tipping point? We have that new generation, uh, such as we're trying to, um, and this is obviously not the same, but the first thing that springs to mind, eliminate racism through unconscious bias. That also takes generations, right, before we take that out. Do you feel that that's the same with diversity? Or do you think that for the foreseeable future, this will be something we always have to start talking about? We need to have record these podcasts. We need to set up movements like Futura. I mean, that's the dream, right? That is absolutely the dream. Um, however, where there are people, there are politics. Uh, there is still a lot of inequality and discrepancy, um, different levels of society. So we might have a big push for it now, how it will evolve in the future that I don't, no, and can't tell you, I don't have a crystal ball. However, maybe we won't be talking about diversity in the modus operandi we currently do today. I think we will constantly have to talk about it though, especially with topics like climate change. Who are the, the individuals who are most impacted? It's very poor women and children in coastal uh, towns, villages. These are topics that will impact us also when we talk about diverse workforces and companies, if we really want to elevate that diversity conversation and talk about equity and inclusion, which is actually where we want to shift the emphasis to, maybe that's where we're headed. I hope that's where we're headed, where we talk about equitable and inclusive societies, where we take all into account. So who knows? Don't have a crystal ball. One hopes that we start putting in some foundational expectations. I always have faith in the future. I always have faith in the younger generation. I always find it absolutely phenomenal. The things that, <laughs> as old as I am, um, the younger generation just is given, you know, the way that they talk about topics um, and, and that's reflected in social media. And of course, that's just a small sliver of it. But the things that are given for them were things were, that were hard fought for in my generation. And likewise for my mother, you know, the things that are given for me are things that she had to fight tooth and nail for. So there will always be a new generational fight, a new generational challenge, a new shift that we have to take into account. So it might not be the things that we face today, but who knows what we will face tomorrow. So I think as long as we, you know, the, the, the economic theory of the rising tide, right? You take all boats with you. I'd like to think that we are a rising tide and we bring all the different boats with us to a foundational level of knowledge and understanding that allows all boats to continue the metaphor to float and sail freely and well in good conditions. Yeah, I I, I think that that's very, very beautifully put. Um, to maybe add one more perspective on the finance and fintech um, industry, because we're talking about this. Um, 
I'm quite, I don't want to say pessimistic, but maybe conservative about like the outlook of, of that one, because we have the very unique situation here that in order to become a member of a board of an executive team, at least in Germany, you have to fulfill a certain set of requirement and get approved by, by the supervisor, by the supervising authorities, which then you need to prove, for example, that you have like a certain amount of years of experience in banking, that you worked in like a manager position in another institution and so on and so forth. And like this pool of people is already mostly male dominated and it will stay like this for the next couple of years because how how would we have so many women now going going into that and and, and being eligible for for this position so very specifically we now have the issue that i think realistically we have to accept the fact that for the next 10 years or so it will be very 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 male dominated going back to i think one of the first points that alex made on like you have to get the buy-in of the ceo because he is your he or she is your most important stakeholder this is exactly i think the big task that all of us have to actually change the mindset of exactly this group of old bankers um and this is this is quite quite a big task i i guess And that's another gauge that we don't talk about, right? So we might have the variables within our company that we can control or attempt to try and control. But when you have external gauges like this, like a supervising authority that decides who is eligible and their unconscious bias is that the only people that are eligible happen to also only be white men, you you really are hitting there a true glass ceiling. Yes. And I I know we, we, we've been talking for a long time and we probably don't want to open Pandora's box on <laughs> quotas. Um, but personally, I think with quotas, we would have a lot of talk about diversity yeah. very intensely for hopefully a somewhat short amount of time and maybe then we would come to a place where we don't need to talk about it as much or can focus on other diversity um, uh, challenges that we face until then I think it's a topic that will follow us because um, we cannot change it from one day to the other yeah not doing hard enough or fast enough To me, diversity has its roots in social justice. And those are movements that are very old. Mm. <laughs> They're much older than me. And when I look at the state of the world right now, I don't know. You know, I want to stop talking about diversity. I'm tired. I want to stop, uh, you know, running trans shelters and going to demonstrations and fighting for things that I think should be given to all people. I would love to. I know it's annoying for a lot of people. They're like, oh, this diversity shit again. I just can't hear it anymore. <laughs> I get that. I wish I could stop. But I don't have that luxury. I, I don't have that. When we look at trans rights, when we look at queer communities all over the world, um, outside of fintech, outside of the women's issue, there's so much work to do. I don't think we'll stop talking about it in my lifetime. Mm. And I'm a little sad about that. I would love for that to be expedited. But we are talking about dismantling systems and gatekeeping that is centuries old. And that is going to take a lot of time. Yeah. It's a good time to be in the world right now, <laughs> of course. Uh, but I think we still have a lot of way to go. So unfortunately, at least I can't yet stop talking about diversity. <laughs> And nor will I. <laughs> so if no quotas, then this will always be there, basically. I, well, I think quotas so. are one tool. They're one of many tools, but uh, definitely the market doesn't fix itself.
Before we end on a positive note, because I do agree, Alex, I think we should end on a positive note. Um, maybe for the listeners, they've listened to over an hour of, uh, of I think, um, material. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. To summarize, what are three easy things to implement immediately, you think, for any organization right now? Let's ping pong. Okay. One easy thing, and I think the starting point is what we call a DEI audit. So to understand your baseline to understand the markup of your company, who's in it, what kind of interests and requirements are in there before you embark on the diversity journey. Because otherwise you might be doing a lot of things that actually aren't needed. So always start with a DNI audit, which you don't need to do alone. You can give it externally if needed. That's a very, very good starting point because data. And then once you've done that, you can oftentimes companies have values. Um, they are incorporated in feedback processes. How do you tie your DEI agenda to what is pre-existing in the company and make it also explicitly tied to potentially a guiding principle that you have as foundational or a guiding value that you have as foundational? How do you start embedding it in practices that pre-exist in the company? What sort of 360 feedback processes do you have? Can you include in there diversity topics? I would also then add uh, goal setting. So mm. anything that is related to if once you've done your DEI audit, once you've got your management buy-in, once you've established your communities and your networks, start lobbying your management. Start looking for strategic goals that are realistic, that you will be able to achieve within a given time horizon and, and really start enshrining those in the places that they're most visible to your company so that it really shows that you care about this. And maybe lastly, I would add something that's easy, maybe not something that's going to change your company, you know, on day one, but something that is easy to do is to appreciate the people in your employee resource groups or whatever they're called, the employee networks, because they do a lot of work for free on top of their actual work. Mm -hmm to change the culture, not because they themselves want to be promoted, not because of a benefit to them, but like us, they believe in the company. They want the company to be solid, to be um, getting lots of innovation, to be getting all of that talent. And they're already doing the work that a lot of companies will start doing this in two to three years. And the ERGs are doing this for free for you right now. And it's very easy to appreciate that, to say thank you, to give praise, to you know have a dinner with the CEO, whatever. And I like, because we talk about things. I know you said three and we're now at 15 or whatever. Five. And I also gave really hard ones. I realized <laughs> that wasn't very easy, was it? I'll think of another easy one. <laughs> I like making things fun. So the video we link is one of them, but there can be fun exercises to take people on the journey with you because this is the biggest part. Diversity for a lot of people feels like, well, if I'm a white, straight cis man, how do I still advance in this company if we're now doing diversity, right? That's a fear that a lot of people have, um, whether it's warranted or not. It's a different episode, but you you need to meet people where they are. And a lot of it, a lot of times it works with humor. And something we did is we collected some statements that people have heard throughout their career. And we just made a video. We read them out to people and got their reactions. And a fun thing to do, um, which is why I wanted Delia to, to do that brave heart thing, is we can take those sentences and turn them around and say them to men, not randomly, you know, this isn't, a, it happened to me, now it happens to you, but in a safe space where everyone knows what's happening, say, well, you know, I don't know, Bruno, you should really be more like Ariel in meetings. You should really be more quiet. Because this is where you, you understand how silly those statements yeah. are and how no one would say that to a man. No one would say, I'm sure this is something you've heard. Um, 
you know, there's not a lot of women in leadership because women don't want to be leaders. No one would say that about men. No one would say, yeah, but men just don't want to be leading organizations and teams. And sometimes there's a lot of benefit in taking 45 minutes virtually or in person coming together and just having fun with what is essentially a very heavy topic for people who are impacted by it. And sometimes an annoying topic for people who just don't understand why it's important. Yeah. This is easy and cool. Yeah. Eat some pizza, have fun. I'll I'll, um, I'll give you another easy one since I gave one that compounded and ended up being very hard. Um, allyship. So oftentimes, for example, you yourself as a white male cis man would think that you're not part of the conversation. You are. By having this conversation, you're making it relevant to everyone that is also like you. And I think that's super important. And allyship doesn't just mean yeah, I'm, I'm here for the good fight. It means calling out bad behavior where you yeah. see it. So for example, classic example that happened to me um, with certain uh, board members where I would make a statement. The statement was disagreed with by certain uh, external board members. The statement was the same statement that I made immediately, subsequently was then made by my white male senior leader. And then the external board member said, oh, that's such a good idea. He peating. Yes, he peating. It's, it's often known as. There, what would have been great allyship was returning the recognition that I was the person that volunteered that information and volunteered that idea and giving the recognition that it was a good idea and it's something that we should do. Um, there, you just need somebody who is in the round, who's observant and is able to perceive that these uh, these behaviors are going unnoticed mm. largely by the round and you just need as we said earlier listening is for free so that's something that's super easy if you bring awareness as we've talked about a lot during this these past episodes then you can really create space for calling out some bad behavior with humor like and check who's going to money 2020. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, I must say, I really like the uh, humor bit. I think there's so much in there by, uh, I think by making it fun, you recognize it in the first place. I yes. think you create that allyship again as well, but you make it light and yes. digestible for mm -hmm. people because I guess at the moment itself, maybe the comments that's been made to the specific person, they took very, um, they didn't take lightly, mm -hmm. but by making fun of it, they see the perspective and they see that everyone has these kind of uh, common misconceptions. Yeah, it's an idea way. for a follow-up podcast, just saying. Isn't it? <laughs> um, okay, let's end on the high. So Futura has been running for, you say two years or three years? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. What would you say is the one thing you're the most proud of that you've achieved over these past two and a half years? Am I answering this question? I'll, I'll ask Leila that. Ask Leila. Oh. Um, gosh, that is a very good question. I'm super proud of how much talent we managed to attract as mm -hmm. a result of it. Um, there were several women who started directly as a result of Futura. And that made me so proud that they saw themselves reflected in us. And that gave me a great deal of hope. Shouldn't I let you go first? <laughs> um, our colleague, our dear, dear colleague and friend Valentina said something the other day that I didn't realize I was very proud of until she said it. She said that Futura is still around. There have been many setbacks, there have been budget cuts. There has not 
always been only support. Because again, in a big company with 700, 800 employees, not everyone's going to like that some people are trying to, you know, shake up the gender gap. Um, we're still around and we've had an impact that I can measure. A lot of this is also why I then, you know, went into doing this full time and actually get paid for diversity work. Seeing progress and numbers means so much. So within the first year, we hired 10% more women. We promoted 43% more women, not more than men, more than women in the previous year. So this is 2022 versus 2021. Um, and that doesn't just happen from a couple of events. That doesn't happen from a fun little video or from a reporting you do. That happens because in the background, cultural change is happening. You cannot, in a company this large with 90-something leaders, you know, make sure more women are hired. And we didn't have any quotas. We didn't have any any balanced scorecard items in that last year. Um, that doesn't happen unless people buy into it, unless people see the benefit. And to see slowly, but <laughs> to see the culture shift, to see the impact and be able to measure it and to be able to measure our eyes of events and show the benefit of it. Not that I have to prove it, but let's face it, mm -hmm. where we work, we have to prove it. it. means we've been able to prove the case for diversity, not just for women, but for intersectional diverse talent. And that makes me very proud. If I can add to that, I think would you shouldn't forget is the example that you set throughout the industry, right? I speak mm. about it with many of my clients, about if they speak about diversity, I take Futura as an example. That's why also I was so keen on getting you on the podca podcast to talk about it. Um, but again, coming back to my earlier comment about creating a movement, I think that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. I hope not now going to Lemon Markets, ACI, Diversity Consulting, you take it with you instead of Futura 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 however many there are, there need to be. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> That's a very good point. Thank you. Well, thanks to the three of you for uh, being on the show uh, on these past episodes. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like I said, I've certainly, as a business owner, have, I'm walking away with some inspiration uh, and some stuff that I think we can easily implement uh, from some of the stuff that you mentioned. So thanks for that. Um, and Thank you for, for opening your platform for this topic. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of In Check with Fintech. If you liked this episode, rate our podcast and follow us on LinkedIn. We'll be having more industry leaders soon, so don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform to keep updated with our latest episodes.